This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. I'd like to send out a heartfelt thank you to the people who sent me messages about last week's episode. It's, it's always good to hear how we have affected people's creative and personal lives over the last 200 episodes. I also want to send a special thank you to Lee Thatcher, Anastasios Carpusis, Christian Nonblock, Cynthia Clayton, Scott Krebs, Michael Payne, and Terrence Ong, each who were kind enough to make donations to the show. Your, your contributions are really appreciated. It's, it's your donations and those made by many others in the past that have been a big reason why I've been able to improve the show over the years. So this program is as much yours as it is mine. So thank you. This week, my cousin John Perello is in town with his family from, from Paris. Also known as John One, he is an accomplished and well-respected artist who began his career as a graffiti artist in New York City. Now he's a successful artist with his work being sought after by collectors all over the world. His paintings and murals have been exhibited in galleries in Europe, Asia, and the United States. Like Dan Winters, who I interviewed last week, John is constantly creating, and his energy level seems almost inexhaustible. It was the first time that I had the opportunity to talk to him in depth about his career, and I gained tremendous insight into what it means to be an artist, whether you're wielding a paintbrush or a camera. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Baronet. Thank you for doing this. I was just thinking about it this morning. I was like, wow, I got him here. Yeah. And I've never had a chance to really talk to you about, in depth, about what you do. Um, okay. Because I, I, I've been knowing about your work for forever. Whoa. And you know, talked to your sister and your brother. Yeah. And we talked a little when I was visiting you in, in Paris. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the things that interested me and that fascinated me was how how incredibly productive you are. I mean, it's just, you're constantly working. I interviewed a photographer recently, um, Dan Winters, and he's always creating. Yeah. You know, he's either thinking about creating or he's always creating. And and was that always the case with with you, even when you were, you know, out in the streets in New York doing doing your graffiti work? Was it just like... Yeah, that was my thing. I was always either writing my name... Or trying to get supplies to paint with, or uh, or things like that. It was, I think, it was a lifestyle. That's what it attracted me. I was always, always into it. Trying to meet artists, um, going to shows, and it was a twenty-four hour thing, twenty-four seven days a seven days a week. So it never really stopped, and it never really stops. I'm always working in my head, trying to figure things out, trying to trying to find solutions to even when I went to the bathroom right now because I was working because I brought uh, uh while I was over here I went to a thrift store and I brought three American flags and I'm going to paint over it you know oh, I saw those in the trunk yeah. yeah so I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to do on it when I get back so when I was in the bathroom washing brushing my teeth I'm, I was thinking like what am I so I got, I'm trying to get ideas you know yeah yeah Wait, well t- tell me about you know um, starting off in New York, because you, you was like during the uh, the eighties. Yeah, the eighties, that, that generation, that, and that was really 
sort of a, a really explosive time for graffiti work. He was, he, he was, it was a time when graffiti was looked at very negatively. Yeah. And it hadn't really exploded into the art world at all. Yeah. But t- tell, me, tell me about how you got hooked up into that whole world and, and, and tell me about what it was like during that time doing that like doing that kind of well i had tried doing other things like you know being more of a normal guy like trying to go to school and trying to get my life together and trying to organize my future and in a in the right way i don't know if it was the right way but because it wasn't making me happy and in pursuing all these um ambitions that you know were imposed through um on me through society so um i started to see graffiti on the streets so i started to notice it because graffiti was born in my neighborhood in washington heights that's where the first tags were were born like tacky 183 or barbara 62 or fdt 56 or cc 153 all these you know it's even documented in this book called uh, norman mailer i don't know if you've seen this book uh um i think it's writing on the walls it's like the first book with the first it's like a classic book of the you know of the early graffiti writers so you know it really started in my neighborhood so i started to really open my eyes uh on it when i was um going to um school or going outside and and even i remember the first piece i seen was a piece by tracy 168 this old school graffiti writer he had painted this um this gate uh with spray paint and i wondered how he did it and like you know like the same way when you go to a museum that mm-hmm. you see artwork, you you ask yourself the same type of questions like why he did it or how did he do it or what does it mean and who's the artist and what's the history. So I'd seen this gate and and it was done by Tracy and I and I asked myself those same questions like I was like wow that's beautiful how did he do that with a spray can because the spray can you're not um next to the um you're not you don't you don't really touch the 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 surface is projected so you know i was like how how can he control it you know how can Mm -hmm. he control it to such an extent that he he paints an image so i asked myself those questions but of course i didn't know how to paint i used to draw a little bit of comic books i was i was attracted to that culture the comic book culture and, and also like you know that's when um cartoons on tv were starting to develop like you know um from being black and white from felix the cat remember the felix the cat um cartoons that were black and white the yeah, first yeah, ones uh-huh. and then you started to really get into him by watching um the my um the jackson five cartoons oh, yeah. or the scooby-doo or you know all these other things so I was always attracted to that type of animation, not really into like let's say the the artistic um world of um Picasso or Jackson Pollock or or you know all these other classic contemporary painters. But so how did how did you sort of get from the point where you were more than just tagging? Yeah. But were actually, you know, doing the kind of work that you were aspiring to. Yeah. Oh that took that took many, 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 many years. I mean, also what attracted me was, uh, you know, when, um, when I used to go to work, cause I used to have a job, a regular job. And, um, and I used to stand in front of the platforms and I used to watch, uh, colorful pieces pass, run, right in front of me and that flash of colors was um what influenced my work later on 
Okay. You know, it wasn't really the the part when the train would stop and I would see a, a figurative or a representative or a graphic image in front of me, like your name with two characters with clouds and, you know, this like, you know, um, flower scene or whatever. It was like the flash of colors that like that would pass in front of me, sort of like a like a, a photo out of focus. Right. Yeah, you're getting that blurred yeah. motion, right. That's what in- attracted me is, is that blurred image. And so um of course I didn't know how to paint I didn't know how to paint anything figurative or or representative. And but there was a few artists that were doing things that were abstract images and so that gave me a little bit of courage and um, I started to mess around with colors you know I started by um, filling in my piece you know like um, like I would do uh, my name and then um, what and then I would blend in colors and you know yellow orange red and then put some sort of action inside and create some images and and at the same time since it was the 80s and everybody was an artist um i was going to openings and i was hanging out starting to hang out with a lot of artists and go to studios and and immerse myself into that that environment of of people that were creative so So you weren't just hanging out with other other graffiti artists you were actually going into yeah, I'm always down, down, you know, south in, in Manhattan, in, in yeah, in Soho, and and going to openings. And my and one of my friends, his father was an art dealer, so he started to take me to museums and started to show me works of Monet and and other artists and Kandinsky and and um and Frank Stella's and stuff like that. So um that enriched me a lot. And also the fact that I was like seeing a lot of different people, it opened my mind up to, to not just the graffiti culture, but um, art history, more or less. So then I started to practice what I had been seeing, experiencing um, on the outside world into the underground world, into the world of the trains, which was great for me because uh, I had like, an, uh, I think 60 feet by um, 12 feet canvas metal canvas to practice on and I had a public also which was like um, the people that would see it so I had criticism of my work and I had a response it wasn't like I was just painting in my room and just for myself so I had like a a little personal gallery to expose yeah you had a traveling uh, canvas that was going all over all over the different boroughs in New York that must have been like part, part of the excitement for you knowing that your work was not just being relegated to Washington Heights but yeah it was going to the Bronx it was going yeah. to Queens it was going to you know all over yeah. the city yeah so that was that was great about it you know, for me because uh I got the criticism and the negative and the positive uh, like yo your work is good your work is no good what does it mean and and that would just um motivate me even more excite me even more because uh the name of the game was fame and uh, it was like an addiction so you wanted to become more famous in the game and more famous and the only way to do it was by um um painting more painting more than the rest because there was a lot a lot of graffiti writers at that time but they may not have been as prolific as you were then no no but also what helped me out was because i had a very particular style since um the majority of them were doing things that were very classic and very you know expected like let's say the letter with the outlines and then the right. and then i was doing this like sort of salad 
you know, like this abstract stuff, very artsy. People were like, what's that shit, you know? And I got a lot of negative um, criticism in the beginning. And, um, and, and then later on, people, um, people started to see where I was going as an artist. Cause since it was abstract and it, I was trying to, to show more of a feeling than, um, a representation. Like a lot of people say, what does it mean? I was like, I don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do you, why don't you put two eyes and a, and a, and a mouth in the middle, you know, so I, people could understand it easier. But I was more towards the abstract stuff, and and it gave me more of a career towards an artist than, let's say, a graphic designer or somebody like that. So, so how did you not allow that negativity to sort of influence you? Because a lot of people would hear like feedback like that, yeah. and then they would sort of adjust it in order to. Oh yeah, because you were still pretty young then. So, yeah, and, and you're very. You can be really influenced when you're young about, oh, yeah. you should change this, you should change that. This will make it more yeah. palatable to, to a greater audience. So how do you not get suckered into that? I mean, what attracted me towards painting in general or drawing was freedom. That's what I, you know, that's what I, I want. Because society in America, for me, um, I didn't feel free. I felt like I had to um, fulfill certain applications or interviews or I had to go through a certain system to fit in. And I didn't want to fit in. I wanted to just be me, John. So um, it was in searching that identity, searching that freedom that attracted me towards graffiti. So going into graffiti, I found that they were just as conservative as, um, as like, um, that other society I was trying to escape. Like to be a hip hop or a b-boy, you had to dress a certain way. You had to act a certain way. You had to do graffiti a certain way. I was like, you know, where's the freedom in this? So when people started to give me, um, um, criticism, um, I was just searching to be me, just, you know, just to paint. Painting for me is just like, like an expression and, and a personal expression. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, most of the people that were telling me this, I, I was like, you know, they, you know, I can't, I can't really um, get too much influenced by their, um, like their criticism. I had a couple of people that would respect their criticism, but for the majority of people, it was just like, you know, just words that would go in one ear and come out through the other. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you you came from a community that's largely immigrant community, uh, Washington yeah. Heights. Yeah. Primarily uh, uh, Dominicans. Dominicans. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, what were your friends sort of making wh of what you were doing? Because, you know, the fact that you were going down downtown and going to these galleries, and that's a, yeah. a world that's completely, you know, yeah. separate from, from yeah. that community, which, which is largely sort of working class immigrant. Yeah. That whole dynamic. So what was it like to branch out from from that did, did most of your friends think it was like cool or but they didn't understand it what was yeah how did it impact your relationship i mean most of my friends would just um hang out in corners you know i would go and they'll be in a corner and smoking a blunt or getting high and go downtown and i come back and they'll be in the same corner and i had this spirit of in new york is is called all city you know of like you know, getting out of your neighborhood and going to different boroughs of, uh, of Manhattan, you know, Manhattan, Bronx, hang out in Manhattan, downtown, Queens, Brooklyn, spreading your wings all over the place. So most of my friends, they were just like all about just hang out in the, in their neighborhoods. You know, they were kind of limited. 
I felt they were limited and they were just happy with like um smoking a blunt, you know? And I used to smoke blunts, but I was like, is this what it's all about? You know, this sort of like ritual of like, you know, you go, you buy a bag of weed, uh, you roll the weed and then you smoke the blunt. Is is this what life is about? Is this as as far as I'm going to go? And, and is um let's say is my environment, is this all I'm going to get from my environment? Looking at the other environments and the rewards they had, like, you know, since in New York, they had a lot of red lines, like, you know, you had your, your niggers and your spicks uptown and you had your whites downtown and the niggers and the spicks, they would be eating spam. You know, remember spam? <laughs> and then, and then the whites would be eating like, you know, four course dinners. I was like, is this the reward we get? We just eat, we just get blunts and drugs and coke. Nah, I want some of that thing downtown. So, you know, it was all these things that were passing through my head, you know, and, and so I was like, I ain't gonna just be happy with a blunt and a, and a quart of, quart of OE, you know? So I was like, I, I said, I started to go downtown and discover things and, and my friends were just happy with their blunts. You know, how about your your parents? Oh, my parents. Well, they didn't understand. That's that's for sure. They didn't understand because uh, they were from a different generation, and their education and their values were were somewhere else. You know, so um, they weren't living the streets like I was living the streets. So I knew that it wasn't for for them to understand, but it was for me to help them understand the value of art. You know and cultivate them i think that's part of the exchange of being an artist because um the only way of making it out of the ghetto was through two ways either getting or three ways either joining the army or going to school and getting a diploma or getting a city job you know that was your only three choices you know so and there's no art involved in it being an artist yeah. is like being a freak it's like oh wow my son is an artist what's that he must you know something must be wrong with him so they you know coach people in the ghetto don't really a lot of times they don't really have a value for art so um because it's not in their um frame of mind you know so and it's not their fault so I, I had to cultivate my parents in a way to tell them that you know art has a value um art is important in society um art has a place in society and all these things were things that you know they 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 started to understand years later you know but me while i was doing i understood the power of art the power of images and how can it affect communities and how can it make things advance and so all these things were like um things that i was like living but they weren't living and so my parents later on they started to understand it more and more they were happy to go to shows and they respected yeah. it even more i took my dad to um took my dad and moms to an opening one day and they were just amazed they were like wow this is this is incredible this lifestyle you have how do you do it they were it was just mis so mysterious mm. for them um coming from um people that have real jobs you know like for me to this day it's like i don't have a job i i'm you know i'm the ultimate bohemian and um that's okay you know my daughters asked me the other day like you know some question I forgot like the difference between someone that works and somebody that and is an artist and um 
you know, the, the whole working process and for them, it's a mystery too, you know? It's like, how do you live? Even though they see you all. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you moved to Paris fairly fairly young. I think yeah. you were in, in your 20s. Yeah. So tell me about how that whole, all that happened. Because I know by, the, by that time, you had sort of gained a reputation, not only in New York, but outside of New York. Yeah. Your brother Kenny would tell me that you were getting letters from Europe and Australia. Yeah, yeah that people were true. picking up on your work uh, then. And this is before the internet. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. tell me about the choice to, to leave the United States and, and move, to, yeah. move to France. Yeah, I remember that because um, right before I was leaving, I mean, New York was the center of graffiti at that time. California really didn't have it going on. They had the electric boogaloo. You know, they had a different style and they didn't really have a, a real sense of, of graffiti. They Like the real kings, you can say, were in New York. The real st- the style references were in New York and um, that's where everybody was looking at at the time. The whole world, which was like discovering graffiti, they were looking at like what was what was happening on trains and since we didn't have internet the only thing that they were exchanging were um were photos people were sending photos out to di- oh, yeah. different people in the world and also the, um some magazines some underground um magazines were circulating with some trains so like um I was like, right before I was ready to leave, I was getting letters from Hawaii, from Australia, and also from Europe, you know? So um, I had these friends come over, people that later became friends, who came to New York to hang out, and um, they called me up. You know, I don't know how they got my number, I guess the same way you get somebody's email, <laughs> you know? And so they got my number and they called me up and they were like, yo, what's up? Uh, we're from France. Uh, I'd like to, um, to meet you. Uh, we're here in New York for, uh, two weeks and, uh, we'd like to do a piece with you, you know? So I was like, France, um, they do graffiti in France? Like, why? You know? I didn't even understand why they did graffiti, you know? Cause I thought, I thought that um, graffiti was just a New York thing. So, like, they showed me pictures of what they were doing and in Europe, in Paris, and I was like, wow, that's 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 really nice because they had their own way of um, composing colors and they had their own way of, um, let's say, a, um, structure and all that stuff, a whole European flavor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, you know, I got close. I got friends with these Europe, these French guys, and they said, yeah, if you want to, you can come and visit, visit us. So I was like, I saved up my money. I used to work in a, in a disco in the Palladium as a busboy. So, like, I saved up a couple of thousand, like, a, I had, like, a thousand dollars, and I went out there to visit them with the idea of just doing a piece in Europe for my, you know, collection of photos so I can brag to my friend, yo, I did a piece, and I went really far this time. <laughs> so I went out there, and when I went out there, it was just like, wow, another world, mm-hmm. you know? And um, since I was a little bit burnt out of New York um, I, I said yo what, it would be a great idea if I come out here and I just stay for a little while you know just take it day by day you know because graffiti at that in New York was going down the whole scene was it wasn't going down but things were changing you know and I felt the wind of changes coming <laughs> you know I had seen like uh, like the whole music scene was changing like um, I sort of like we were changing from a run dmc 
era to uh jungle brothers type tribe called quest and uh you know the whole everything was changing so it was like time to go you know <laughs> time to go and people were getting jobs you know people were getting oh, yeah. real jobs i was like damn what am i gonna do now well <laughs> what 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 are the, like if i go to a job interview what have you been doing let me see your resume well i've been painting on trains and since it had such a negative um negative um aspect to it you know i wasn't that wasn't going to help me out so the only place where people would be like wow that's cool you've been painting on trains you're an artist was europe (laughs) where i could be appreciated like a lot of jazz musicians went there and writers and photographers and so i went out there and um and i was able to continue my craft and also um you know develop it even more This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Analytics are an important part of having a website. This information is valuable not only because it tells you how many people are visiting your website, but also how long they're sticking around for. You find out what parts of your site are enjoying traffic and what parts are just dead in the water. You can also learn where all the traffic is coming from, which is especially important to determine the success of you getting the word out on your work. Squarespace provides this information with each and every website that they offer, making it an invaluable tool for both the professional and the enthusiast. So not only do they offer you the opportunity to showcase your images in these beautiful, full-bleed displays, they also let you know that people are seeing your work. Find out for yourself, though, how Squarespace can help improve your web presence by taking advantage of their free trial. No credit card is needed. Just sign up and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME9 to get 10% off and to show your support for the Candid Frame. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Yeah, because your work has evolved a lot, a lot yeah. more, because it's not, you know, what people typically consider graffiti. It's kind of got more into sort of abstract art. You're still playing with color. You're still playing yeah. with shape. Do you feel like that that different environment really encouraged that? Um, I don't know. I think it was more me. The the environment, I was always capturing that type of environment because I was always sort of like, I wasn't just listening to hip hop. I was like listening to electronic music from Germany like Devo or or and I was I wasn't just hanging out with one sort of um, group of people like let's say blacks or Hispanics I was hanging out whites Chinese Koreans I was always like everywhere my head was always everywhere so you know being in Europe it was just like for me it was just being at home and you know like that search of me of just always looking for a lot of different things sensations and um yeah, but I guess in a way I can't down Europe because France has helped me a lot to develop my work. Yeah, there's a, there's a quote that uh, I forget who said it, but they said uh, they were asked the question, how can I become a better photographer? Yeah. And the response was, well, just become a more interesting person. Yeah, okay. You know, by having yeah. all these different life experiences, by not just focusing on that one thing that you're doing, yeah. but by having a fuller life, you yeah. get better raw material from which to work with and it sounds like that's what you were oh that's interesting yeah that's a little bit it yeah just trying to uh, as many experiences as i can even sometimes some experiences may seem like let's say boring or or sort of like you know what am i doing here but later on it sinks in yeah 
when when you were when you were there and you started sort of it seems like you're already sort of transitioning into the art world with exhibits and gallery exhibits yeah. tell me about that whole that whole experience of sort of educating yourself in terms of how that that works because you're pretty savvy now yeah but but back then when you're first being introduced to it yeah you know it's it you know it takes no prisoners that, that yeah it's is. a scary it's a scary experience but you know i had no choices you know that was that's what helped me out because um i had invested myself so much into this into like you know painting that there was no going back you know for me so it was either sink or swim you know or mm. i don't know what or else be the starving artist for the rest of my life you know which i which was okay for me i, I didn't mind you know I, i'm not scared of, about that you know so i mean when i started i knew that it would um i had seen before this whole scene develop in a way um in the in the in the gallery world where i was going to see the shows of keith Haring or or Jean-Michel Basquiat, or also seeing stuff in galleries of graffiti writers like A1 or or Dandi or Futura do shows and and see how by putting your work up on a on a wall, people coming to see it. It was a different exchange than, you know, like if you do something in the streets where people are forced to see it, you know? Yeah. So you I had to accept that maybe in the beginning it would be a different public and I wouldn't have the same sort of like instant reaction that I would have um by doing community work, um community activism. So it was a different direction and it was a direction that attracted me because it, it was like I had done a lot of things in the streets but I was searching that next sensation, which was uh, uh, professionalism. Right. You know, where I had a different sort of an exchange with people. The exchange wasn't just like, oh, I like what you do, and people would give me a thumbs up. I wanted people to, to be involved. And it wasn't just me, like, let's say... Um, like looking for the paint, stealing the paint, doing the wall, taking the um, taking um, a risk, and you know, at the end, people are just like, "Oh, I like what you do." I felt that, yeah, if you really like what I do, then um, take it a step further, you know. And that step further was professionalism, and and that professional thing was gonna take my work even further. It was either it was gonna expose my work to a different public, and um, also like um, and people purchasing your work and hanging, collecting yeah. it, and and yeah. putting them on their walls and so. appreciating it, yeah, differently. So that's what um, that's what I was after. You know, I was like, you know, how can you become pro now, like a profession, like you know, like a professional skateboarder or a professional surfboarder? I was like, wow, professional. Like graffiti writer or painter, whatever you want to call it. So that's where, um, you know, that's where I started to um, practice my my craft differently. Yeah, one of the things that photographers always always struggle with is sort of putting a value onto their work, yeah. putting an actual dollar amount yeah. on how much it is. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you find that that was made easier for you because you were working with gallerists or or curators? Yeah. Did, did, 
that happened where you didn't necessarily have to say, okay, I'll sell this for this much. And they were kind of saying that this, yeah. this is what I think they can sell yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how it worked. Like there was like, cause I was always sort of like short changing myself. They were like, no, 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 you can, you should ask for more. So I was being guided a bit, you know, into like, you know, like the price range of how much I can get for it and how much is fair for me and fair for the collectioner. And, and yes, yeah, a little bit like that. What, can you tell me about the one of the first moments when you when you went you actually sold for yeah. that? Yeah. Do, do you yeah. have like a particular memory of something like oh, that? Oh yeah, there was this um one I was painting a wall in France and um oh I, I remember you know everybody remembers their first thing that they sold because it's such a big moment. I mean, it, for me the first thing I sold was a drawing in um Italy. And I was just like, wow, I've, I, you know, somebody actually um, brought one of my works. So I was really happy about that. And then, you know, after that, I sold the piece in, um, I sold the piece in Paris. I had a friend of mine, I was painting a wall and my friend said, yeah, I know this guy who like likes graffiti and he can help you out. So I met this guy and he had a homeless uh, of collector friends around him. And so he said, yes, yeah, you should do a couple of paintings and I was going to show them around to people and, and you know, I'm going to try to help you out, John. So like what he did was exactly that. I did a couple of pieces or canvases and then he sold them. And I was really surprised because it was like the first time I had some sort of money in my pocket from that whole starving artist period. And that set it off for for me to do some more paintings and and keep having keeping the faith. Yeah, because it's about that having keeping the faith. And one of the things that, that was interesting seeing when I went to your studio mm-hmm. was that uh, you're working on stuff simultaneously. You're not mm-hmm. just w- working on one canvas. You're like you're working on one canvas, then you move to another one, then you move to another yeah. one, and it's and it was amazing for me to to see that. Yeah. Um, because traditionally, I, I I always think of an artist working on a yeah. single piece. Yeah. But you would be you would be like, okay, oh, this looks good. Yeah. And then you'd go on to something else, and it seems like you got so much stuff going on in your head. Yeah. And I think that part of it is is the nature of your personality that you're always thinking about multiple things simultaneously. Yeah. And that that extends itself into the way that you work. Am I? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like that. You know, uh, there was like a general, like um, general scruff, scruff, <laughs> You know, the guy who did the um, the first Iraq War. You know, he died. He was with Colin Powell's. Colin Powell's was his chief of staff. I oh, think. okay. General Scruff, I forgot his name. Ruff, Ruff. Yeah, that guy. He died <laughs> recently. Well, he said that a good general can um, wage wars in different fronts. You know. Okay. So, you know, when he said that, you know, that was a long time ago, but I've always been sort of like that, you know, just looking at the, at the whole battle plan instead of just fighting just one war. So, like I told you, like, I particularly work with a lot of different people and I'm trying to like, um, you know, adapt myself to, um, to the world we live in today, which is like, uh, as an artist, you have to, um, uh, I mean, you have to produce a lot and you have to be active. So, and so you just can't be, I mean, for me, 
I can't just be working on one painting. I have to be working on a lot of different fronts to get my stuff out there. I work in a very particular way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're married to a photographer. So yeah. You've got two creatives in the same family. Yeah. So how does that work? Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of ambition in the house. You know, everybody wants... I think it's good and it's dangerous sometimes because um, I think that um, we look beyond the the material gains and we're after like let's say um in French it's called recognition 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 yeah mm-hmm. and that can be frustrating for one or and um but it's, it's very beautiful too because it's always nice images that pass and we always meeting a lot of creative people around and and we're feeding off each other you know so that's that's good and we learn. I always like photos, you know. I've always surrounded myself around photographers because as an artist, you always need photographers to take a portrait of you or take a, a picture of your work, a reproduction. So, and I've always, and I've met a, some of my good friends are photographers. Uh, for me before, photography was just like the same thing. I could never recognize a style. And later on, through seeing my wife's work, um, I was able to recognize her work um, from a lot of different photographers and recognize recognize her style so she opened me up to the world of photo in a way by following her work yeah because yeah. she was like um, in France and um, um, I hadn't seen her for a while I had been checking her out and then when she started to take pictures I was like you know I found that amazing because uh, um, she was part of this whole French hip hop graffiti scene and so she was documenting the, documenting the scene for a while. And then um, I'd seen her grow as a photographer. So that was part of like the whole falling in love process. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you've, you've had a lot of success. You've been exhibited in the United States, in Europe, yeah. in Asia. And, you know, speaking of community, you know, you get you can have a lot of people who are very supportive that can be good friends. Yeah. Then you can have a lot of hangers ons. Yeah. You know, leeches. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who just add a lot of negative energy. Yeah. To not only your artistic life but your personal life. Yeah. So how do you sort of filter that? Because you know you've got a name. Yeah. And you're gonna attract a yeah a lot, lot of, of stuff. A lot you. of a lot of fleas. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So how do you yeah. sort of contend with that? Because a lot of people think about, oh, I want to be successful, yeah. but they don't realize that, that part of that success is a lot of stuff that you know yeah. we could all do without. Yeah, exactly. You can attract a lot of fleas, especially when there's money involved. Whenever there's money involved, you always attract new friends. You have all of a sudden you have your best a lot of good best friends you know you have people calling you up and and um you know asking you for things they and and the the way they they set you it's always setting up it's always a mind game like so they'll set you up in in a certain way like like they'll take you out to dinner a couple of times and you know and then they'll they'll ask the question very gradually like very slick you know but after a while you see these people coming and sometimes some of the, sometimes you get set up you know and you get caught out there sometimes you know you close yourself up but um what i do for instance is like um i don't answer my phone all the time you know that helps i um it's really hard to get to me um, because um, I have really no 
no website. I'm not internet sa- savvy and stuff like that. And and then I also um, di- delect, you know. Yeah, you. Um, I'm I, blanking on the word, but yeah, you I, redirect people to somebody else. Yeah, there. redirect people to somebody else. So it's um, it's all about. I like boxing, you know. So it's all about ducking and diving and 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 things like that. But I go back on the on the second of September. So it's gonna be war when I get back. It's gonna be war. Because, you know, a lot of people are trying to push you and pull you to a lot of different directions, you know. But you have to stay focused on, on what you want to do. For instance, I'm, I was supposed to go to Madagascar and work on a project um, on the 15th of September. But I can't go, you know. I wanted to go because it was going to be 15 artists and we were going to paint sails in poor villages. That was like the most, like, hmm. you know, Madagascar is one of the poorest countries in the world. I'm gonna be there for, for um, for two weeks, and it was gonna be a lot of fun. So I was supposed to go there on the 15th of September, but I can't go because on the 15th of September I gotta do something. And then at the same time, I was supposed to go to Hong Kong, but um, uh, I I can't go. You know, I can't go to Hong Kong. And then my friend is trying to pull me to go to Singapore, but I can't go. You know, so people are constantly trying to um, you know push you and pull you to go to different places and but you have to stay focused you know on what you got to do and and an artist his place is in a studio anyway so you know with with all this stuff happening yeah all this you know stress with all these demands on your time and a person and you know raising two girls yeah you know are you still having fun um well fun fun you know you're still enjoying the process of creating creating work despite the fact you got all these things yeah. talking at you at the same time well you know it's it's all it's all been a part of um what's concession not concept what's that word compromise compromises yeah compromises you know you have to you know freedom has a price you know it's not just like you know the ultimate bohemian that you're just painting and and drinking wine and eating sausages in your studio and just you know listening to music all the time everything has a compromise and if you like you know and if you're painting at, at a certain level and and people around you and people depend on you and you know and then you got to pay assistance and you got to pay this you got to pay that you know all that is all that you know it doesn't come free so you got to be able to accept it that's part mm-hmm. of the game you know it's like it's not just fun 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 so i accept it you know i say this this is what i wanted to do all my life you know now you got it, John. Now, now deal with it. You know, you're the one that when you were small, was like you used to pray. Please, God, please, if I can just paint every day, I'll be the happiest man in the world. If I don't have to work ever, you know, like a real job and have a boss, please, God, please help me have that. So now you got it, John. So now deal with it. You know, yeah. it's like you know, I'm looking at a photo of a dancer. You know, if you want, you know, now you got to dance. <laughs> dance John <laughs> so and I say to myself always you know it, it only gets more complicated you know later you know as as higher you go up it goes it gets more complicated you know stuff like that so um, I, I feel like at, at a certain point maybe it gets less complicated like I look at artists like Gerard Richter or or it was uh, Richard Serra artists like at those levels you know they must like um 
they must it must be there must be at such a level in their head that you know nothing really affects them they can talk calmly and you know and be like you know really reflect but you know I still got a long way if I ever, if I ever reached that level yeah. yeah well the last question I always ask a guest is mm-hmm. to recommend another artist and it can be anyone someone that you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered so who would that one artist be and uh-huh. why Wow, that's a hard question to ask for an artist because you know there's that ego thing. As like, uh, I don't want to give him no props or that thing. Oh, that dude. Nah. So that one artist that I would recommend to um to uh wow, there's so many artists out there. I I have to pause for that one. Wow. Whoa, shit. There. Hmm. Whoa. Well, I've seen recently, but I forgot the name of this artist. I've seen recently this Korean dancers, and they were intense, but I forgot their name. So they, that's, that doesn't help very much. An artist. Damn. Can we pause for that? Yeah, yeah. go ahead, take your time. <laughs> An artist that, that I recommend, contemporary that, that I discovered. Or yeah. someone that you've always admired for a long time and... Somebody that I always admired for a long time. Wow. Ooh. That's hard. That's like, ooh, wow. <laughs> Who have I admired for a long time? Secretly. Oh, wow. Miley Cyrus. Nah. Nah. <laughs> no. Wow. Who? Who? An artist. Well, that's how complex I am, you know. Uh, well, now, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, oh, the yeah, boxer. he's the boxer, you know. Because to me, you know, like art. I mean, boxing is an art, you know. Boxing is an art. It to me, it represents. This is where my head is is yeah. at today. And you were saying the fact that how do I deal with like all these other like you know. This, this pressure I have of, and my, am I still having fun and all that stuff? So you gotta have some sort of image in your head to, to build this sort of like shield around you or something that you're looking at that feeds you strength. And lately it's been boxing, you know, believe it or not. It hasn't, you know, my inspiration is like, um, to me, boxing is an art. It's not that I want to be a boxer, but it's like a little bit of my life. At it is right now ducking and diving and um the ultimate um artist in that is let's say um floyd mayweather because i think that um he's he's expressing himself but not in a like the way i expect him express myself he expresses himself with his body differently and that's like um Maybe that's a bad example. No, I think it's actually an <laughs> apt and, and great example. It's an unusual yeah. answer, but it's a great one. Yeah. Well, John? So, yeah, Floyd. Floyd would be, he's, he's the man for me right this minute. All right. Well, John, thank you so much, man. Thanks for making <laughs> thank the time. You. Thanks for visiting All us right. in Cali. Yeah, thank you. It's sunny today, and it's rare in Paris for, for the sunny, sunny times. And thank you. Thank you. All right. Peace. As we continue to grow the show and expand our offerings here at the Candid Frame, your support is invaluable. 
and you can show that support in a variety of different ways. You can make small donations using PayPal, a link for that you'll find at the candidframe.com website, where donations of $5, $10, $20, or even more are greatly appreciated and go a long way to helping us improve the show. You can also post reviews on the iTunes web store, which help our rankings and create more awareness about the great program that we offer here. The show's editor is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the theothermartintaylor.com. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. Till next time, this is Ibarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame.